You're listening to The Room Block Podcast, a series of conversations with compelling professionals from the world of events and hospitality. I'm your host, Jen Salerno. I've spent the last 20 years in different facets of the industry, working alongside a variety of people that have one common goal, to serve our customers by creating memorable experiences. Now, I want to share with you the passions, inspirations, and challenges of the individuals who make it happen. Welcome to The Room Block and enjoy your stay. This episode is brought to you by JTS Connect, offering host, MC, and moderation services for live or virtual events, as well as podcast hosting and consultation. Please email me at jtsalerno at gmail.com or visit me on LinkedIn to learn more. Greetings, Room Block Podcast listeners. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the podcast where hospitality and event professionals meet. Did you know that the Room Block is now part of the Hospitality.fm family? Founded by Will Slickers, who is a past podcast guest of mine and host of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, Hospitality.fm is a podcast network dedicated to bringing the best hospitality-focused podcasts to those in and around the industry. Hospitality.fm is passionate about giving the industry a prominent and louder voice to reach more listeners by going all in on audio. Visit Hospitality.fm to reach a portfolio of 15 podcasts and thousands of episodes all about this industry that we hold so dearly. I have come to realize over the last few years that one reason I am so passionate and dedicated to the hospitality and events industry is the way it can positively impact the world. I believe I can thank this podcast for that, as it has allowed me to have so many illuminating conversations with people. While I may have been working alongside them in some way or another at some point in the past, We weren't taking the time to really talk about why we do what we do and what type of impact it makes on individuals or on the world as a whole. There are a few past guests that have really illustrated that for me, and today's guest is one of them. But today, we aren't talking about the way a perfect hotel check-in can make somebody feel, or how the content of the last event you attended was life-changing. Well, not in an obvious way, at least. You will come to understand that these results are ultimately the goal of today's guest, but the way he achieves them isn't necessarily obvious to those of us who are, say, frontline hotel workers or meeting professionals working on site. Today, we are talking to Steve Gabriel, Principal Investigator of SG Insights, which is a business that empowers organizations with data so they can make decisions to help them grow, prosper, and enhance the impacts they make in their respective communities or industries. And when I say organizations, I mean organizations like yours that hold annual meetings with a variety of stakeholders looking for a return, or hotels that rely on information about their guests in order to create the types of experiences that build loyalty. Most of us are aware that data is something to collect and be analyzed, and that it can help guide us towards making the right decisions. It's something that lives in a spreadsheet, and somebody else is responsible for telling us how to use it. 
Listening to Steve, however, data becomes something far more rich. Yes, data is a science, but it's also an art. It's a way to communicate with and serve those who matter the most to your business, your employees, attendees, and guests. Even if you're not directly involved with the collection or analysis of data within your company, after listening to this episode, I encourage you to think about the biggest questions and challenges you face today. There's likely an answer to those hidden in data. And as Steve explains, you don't have to start climbing a mountain of data to make a difference. You just have to start with one step. And soon you will see just how rewarding the journey can be. Welcome back, everyone, or welcome to the Room Block Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am joined here in the Room Block by a guest who is covering a topic that I have never talked about before. So if you're going to be learning along with me, perhaps, about the subject of data analytics and data science and a whole bunch of really cool data things. So I'm pleased to welcome to the Room Block, Steve Gabriel of SG Insights. Welcome, Steve, to the Room Block. Hey, Jen. Thank you for welcoming me. So nice to join you. Yes, it's wonderful to have you on the show today and to talk about a topic that I think is going to be super helpful to various members of the audience. I feel like when I was still working in the corporate world, we were really focusing on making data-driven decisions. That was kind of like, and that was a few years ago, right? That was a few years ago. So now I know that data is more important than ever, and I'm going to rely on you to tell us why that is, especially as it pertains to the world of events and hospitality. But before we go into all of that, I want to see how you pertain to the world of events and hospitality personally, because I, you did come from our space, didn't you? Um, I actually I actually didn't. Like it was a weird um, evolution that uh, led me to, to to this stage, to this industry. Um, but it made it made sense. Um, my background is in sociology, so I, you know, it's a study of, of people in social settings, um, you know, macro trends um, as people gather together. Um, so, you know, there is there is a connection point there. Um, but I originally, you know, had a tradition uh, in research, uh, research methodology, but it really did set me up perfectly for my collision with with the events and hospitality industry. Yes. Okay. You mentioned sociology and like it's the study of groups of people right like that is so like this is this part of like the events world that gets me kind of jazzed because you know events are gatherings of groups people like-minded people typically um or you know trying to bring people together in a way that makes sense for them and to study their behavior and all that stuff and i'm sure that is what you do essentially but it is a very cool collision i love the connection i think this is an interesting spin on the events world but so Today, like I mentioned, you're with SG Insights. So what is SG Insights and how did you create this company? 
Well, SG Insights is basically a, a third-party research firm, um, you know, uh, realizing that data science and uh, pursuing uh, data endeavors, you know, how, how important it's becoming to organizations, how um, synonymous it's, it's becoming with organizational success. Um, there was more of a need for those resources to become, become available, um, you know, for that conversation to continue to be ex expanded and to shed light on, you know, areas where it touches where we may not normally expect it to touch, such as the hospitality and events industry. Um, I used to work with a with a consulting firm, and we worked with um, hundreds of organizations who who had um, annual meetings, right? These huge annual events, where you know hundreds, if not thousands or tens of thousands of their constituents would come and convene to do just that, as you were saying, Jen, um, you know, push and advance their particular industries forward. It's where the great minds meet, um, you know, convene and think um, and really uh, innovate for, for all these great um, processes and endeavors that we have going on in society. So yeah, I'm, I'm all over that. It's like, okay, where are, yeah, what are the questions and how can we continue to support and advance uh, those processes? How can we make these meetings as successful as possible um, through research and through uh, identification of the data. I think the big question is, what does it mean to consider a big meeting successful, right? And like, oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's that is essentially what you are trying to help answer. Is that right? Indeed, it's it's a loaded question, and it does mean it does mean a lot to to different people involved in the process. Um, you know, this is a huge undertaking. Any any one event, when you're talking about from start to finish, all the actors and, and players that go into making it a success. You know, from from registration to the actual content and sessions and the educational content. Um, if, if there's a technology aspect, the, the meeting app. So already we're, we're building, okay, what, you know, what makes this successful? These are all the different pieces and parts that our attendees, our audience have to interact with um, that they may, you know, give a thumbs up or a thumbs down to things that are keeping our, our, our event, pro our event uh, program team up at night, you know, factoring into the success. Uh, there's the physical space, there's the design, there's all these pieces and parts that go into it when we're, when we're trying to think holistically as to, okay, what, what makes sense for us to keep doing, you know, a good hard assessment of, of how we're currently performing and then where we want to end up, how we want to continually change um, and better these events to continue to make sure that we're delivering exactly what our, what our audiences, our, our various audiences <laughs> might expect or, or need or want from us. Right. And when you talk about various audiences, that's more true today than it ever has been in a way, right? Because you, you've you got your live audience and now in cases you've got your virtual audience or you've got the hybrid, you know, both, both groups of people that you need to measure and cater to and to take the information that you learn and then to try to make the next event even better for all these different groups. It's so true. It's it's an uphill battle. And, you know, like, again, being in a consultant world and having the uh, benefit of kind of being able to put on that hat uh, for each individual project, but almost being able to take it back off afterward, <laughs> um, because, yeah, there's so there's so many variables that makes it that makes it an uphill battle and, and challenging. Like I think back to, you know, when I first started working in some of these events, um, you know, you put up a booth 
you, you 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 send out the emails and that and that was kind of it right and it's no longer it's no longer <laughs> like that simple you don't just lay it out and then and then people come and leave and then and then that's you know they come again next year um there's there's just so many other factors that go into it exactly with the virtual and um and the in-person audience um really breaking down um who is attending um whether that's job by job role, by career stage, um, by physical location. Um, it means like attending the event means something different to each individual person who is who is spending their time to, to engage and interact with that. So it, it gives us almost what well, gives us a, a chance to explore that and, and um, understand that better. Their time and their money. I mean, I'm thinking about mm-hmm. all the different ways that you can measure an attendee's behavior or why they do things or I guess let, let's back up. It's, just, it's such a vast topic. I mean, I feel like there are layers upon layers of what you could explore when you're talking about this, especially as it pertains to events. So like first, yes, let me ask you just kind of like a general, why should organizations care about using data to make decisions? Well, that that's great. Like, I I love that question, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna relate it to to an article as a as a research nerd would always do. It's like I have to. Well, I'm gonna use data to answer that question. <laughs> use data to answer. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's it just proves that you're so good at what you do. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I was reading an article, and this is a while ago. Again, like this conversation has been has been budding. For, for, for years now, if not a decade, is uh, Harvard, Harvard Business Review uh, coined uh, data scientists the sexiest job of the 21st century. <laughs> and I will, not, I will not deny that. I will not argue with that. <laughs> I will take that 100%. Um, and that's exactly why, because it's no longer just about, all right, I'm going to create a report. It sits on a shelf and, and we move on. It's no longer here. Look at this cool pie chart I made. Like it really is um, an investment in, in the direction of your company. Like thinking about the data uh, or, or, your, or, your, or your organization or, your, or the direction of where your meeting is evolving, looking at the data um, makes it so that you're no longer making these decisions based on gut or intuition or, you know, perhaps just what a couple of attendees may have said or some feedback that you may have heard in a particular um, you know, space, it's really taking it holistically, taking a step back and looking at the bigger picture um, and making sure that, it's, that, that what you're, where you're headed is representative of, of all those uh, constituents that you have. So it's really looking at bigger picture um, and making sure that where you're moving forward is aligned with your data and your data strategy. So you mentioned that it's not just about that gut feeling or that intuition. You're actually getting some hard, hard facts and in the facts proof, if you will, of of how to measure or why people are behaving the way that they're behaving. But is there still a component of a gut? Like, there's the facts. There's hard facts, right? But then there's that kind of like emotional piece as well. I feel like that comes down to why we make some decisions. Is there a way to measure that? I'm so glad you asked that because yes, yes. Like there's an art and science. Like sometimes we we envision these 
these these things, right? And it could be a lofty idea, something that hasn't been tested before, but that does not mean, yeah, it's not a viable case for testing. Um, and that does help push the envelope and move things forward as well. So yeah, it's not to say that, you know, you shouldn't rely on that, just not solely on that gut uh, intuition. But if you have this, this, this bang up idea, um, you know, where you want to, where sometimes, you know, there's these brain, brain dating rooms and, you know, some of these other interactive ways of creating those intimate spaces in our, in our events that didn't always exist. Like somebody had to, somebody had to try to push the envelope there. Um, but it's about, creating that feedback loop afterwards. Like, hey, um, event attendee, you may have noticed that we've introduced these several new sessions. What did you think about these? Um, so that we know is that, you know, is that going to continue being worth our, our, our time and investment that's being, you know, aligned with, with, with the data? Yeah, so certainly, I think by all means, like just by the nature of the industry, we should, we should go after those things um, and continue to make it splashier and brighter, but then also, you know, have the, you know, have the responsibility, cognizance to go back and test those things and make sure that they are, you know, meeting expectations, providing the value that was, that was expected. Sometimes we, we put those things up um, and they are maybe used differently than we originally intended. And that's okay too. Oh, wait, that's a cool thought. So there's the process of collecting data maybe on the front end to see like, well, what do you, what do you want to see at this event? Like, would you go to a reception that's held on the rooftop of whatever, right? Like you're you're collecting data on the front end, but then you have to follow up and track how the, what the result was on the back end as well. I mean, it's like a continuous process, isn't it? It's a feedback loop. That's exactly that's exactly what it is. It, you're you're creating a conversation with with your audience. It's not just we have you here for that for the three to five days, you know, out of the year and then and then we're we're separated. No, it's a it's a you know conscious connection with them to make sure that they're a part of you know building that and the future of of what you know what that looks like. You know, it's taking them taking them along for the ride, <laughs> so to speak. Oh um, man, I love yeah. You said that it's a conversation with your attendees. Like that is a really approachable way to explain what data, what the process of data collection and, and the, you know, just the objectives behind it really are. I think that's really cool. It's just that to, like for me, that's, it speaks to me because my brain doesn't go into like this analytical, like statistics space. I'm just like, a little more you know, touchy feely, like that's my, that's what speaks to me. So when you talk about data as a conversation, that is cool. Like I, that resonates for me. So maybe it'll resonate with others in the audience who might not really have been on board yet with data as something that they need to pay attention to. That's awesome. And, and that's exactly what I would have hoped would hopefully come out of this conversation. Like I mentioned to you, you know, being in the lab, like looking at spreadsheets and it does make it, it does make it not really like a, a shareable language right it, it is it is kind of cryptic in some ways and that and that's not yeah, that's not that's what as you know that's what i'm trying to to demonstrate is that it, yeah it is palatable if you if you if you look at it in a certain way if you do look at it um uh, from that emotional perspective like you said it becomes a conversation um less about the numbers and more about discovery um yeah so that can happen that can happen in, in any number of ways um, you know, if it's a survey, if it's a couple of interviews with attendees or a focus group, um, that's all, that's all data science. Mm. It's all data collection. Well, I'm glad that there are data scientists out there like you 
I mean, you're bringing this different perspective, this different spin um, that I think is really going to be helpful for people to hear. Well, so should all organizations use data? Like, let's think of some examples, like just people who, who might be listening to this show, like hotels, for example. In what way can a hotelier use data? Oh, yes. It's 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 very similar in a way. Um, again, just the, either the lead up to having a guest stay with you, um, you know, then there's actually the perception of their stay. And then afterward, continuing that conversation. So when are you when are you plan like just understanding that visitor um, really helps you to create a persona of, of who you know is actually frequenting your 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 properties um, and how you might be able to create a camp or just understand what their mindset is for what drew them there in the first place what might might continue to draw them there back like you you can create those questions um, via survey I, I'm I'm a fan of surveys uh, can, and it doesn't have to be anything that's um, overburdening, it just be a couple of questions. Like, what did you like most about staying with us? Like, you know, we look forward to, you know, having you again. And a lot of times we get that through, through emails, you know, after the stay, but that's, that's one way, um, to, you know, adapt that survey strategy to a, to a hotel. It's perfectly, perfectly adaptable. Um, yeah, I just, <laughs> I'm biased a little bit, but I would say so that yes, all organizations <laughs> should use data <laughs> to some extent. You know, and I understand that we're all at different points, perhaps in, you know, the infrastructure being ready and available in our organizations. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're not at the level of, of Google or, or, or HubSpot necessarily, but it's important to start. Uh, yeah, it's definitely important to start somewhere. I'm glad you say that because in some ways my mind goes to that, it goes to the Google organization where I'm thinking about these massive systems that you have to have and like these tracking. But if you're just like a very small company, I guess what you're saying, I mean, even just something as simple as using Google Analytics for your website, there's data, there's there's, there's a way to, to at least track something. Do people like going to your website? Where are they spending time? Um, but the, the other thing as you were talking that I was thinking about and I wanted to ask, you're talking about for a, from a hotel standpoint creating or trying to help understand your your customer persona and that sounds very marketing related to me right so Ooh, yeah who do data scientists tend to work with within an organization are they usually part of like a marketing team or or are they kind of standalone or who do they serve within an organization? Do they can they serve pretty much like every department? Oh yeah, we're all over the place. Uh, <laughs> we're all over the place. We are infiltrating everywhere. <laughs> I mean, most most often, yes, it's with a um, like a like a director of marketing or a director of, of membership, a director of communications. But then all of those things also connect with the you know with the, the, the C suite. Um, and sort of what their what their interests might be. So um, usually, yeah, having a conversation with each of those departments is not without also going through, you know, just the top, making sure that everyone's interests are, are represented. Um, you know, a, a term that we, that we talk about is, you know, return on investment, return on events. And it's just building that, yeah, building that set of inquiry, which includes, you know, all those different perspectives, you know, I just keep relating it back to events, um, you know, where there's not just the content and sessions, there's the physical layout, there's all those components to it. Um, so yeah, making sure that each one of those uh, 
people, those two who own each one of those parts have their questions, have whatever, you know, burning questions, whatever keeps them up at night um, or, or the things that they're you know, interested in testing for, make sure that those things are represented in that in that set of, of questions. And that helps create a foundation for, for what your um, organization collectively is, is, is focused on and where, where they're trying. So it creates a starting point. But I can see how, yeah, it really does serve every level or every aspect of an organization because you're right. Like, so you mentioned return on investment, return on events. And we had talked about before PCMA has this study about return on events and how they're trying to quantify or qualify what that means. You know, how how do you understand what your return on an event really is? Um, I mean, there's all those different components that go into it on different performance indicators that different people care about. So that's exactly what you're speaking to. It's not just the return on the investment, but it's also then the return on participation and and the engagement and the emotion and the experience and like all these different things that some of them seem kind of hard to measure. But I suppose like the way that you're describing it, thinking about the physical space and do you have any ideas on how to measure like those really kind of vague <laughs> like, have, you, have you done any kind of surveys that are like su- measuring super emotional components yeah yeah it does take it does take a little bit of, of finesse sometimes it is a little bit of a lighter touch and and you know I, I mean something that you mentioned right is just different different people like the head of the organization might be more focused on okay raw numbers like okay is the event growing are we are we having more attendees year after year um whereas the actual design yeah might be more focused on these yeah how do we get these questions answered um and sometimes there are quantitative like the actual scales on a scale of one to five how did you feel about this um but other times it's more appropriate to just ask an open-ended um you may have you may have seen this this brain dating space we had talked had did you visit it and then it gives them a chance to almost just like describe their without without too much prompting either just to see what lands immediately and that that's almost more telling when you when you just give the give the space and just they'll tell you there's they're very you know willing to tell you um you know kind of what stuck out to them the most and it's sometimes for that subtle question we're almost looking for that just subtle it is a subtle response in in a way yeah when we want when we want that that answer to something like that an open-ended question uh, might be most effective when is the best time to secure that information or to try to secure that information because so i'm thinking about myself personally right i go to an event i come home and then i get my survey email (laughs) and it's saying please help us out fill this out and like i try like i'll 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 do it when I can. I really like when they say this survey will take five minutes. Then I'm like, I know I'm going into this and it's going to take X amount of time. If it's like this survey is going to take 30 minutes, I might be like, yeah, sorry. (laughs) I won't have time for that. But um, is there like a really key time when you can try to capture that information? Like, can you capture anything in real time? I've, I've had a deep struggle within myself being that guy 
to send you all those emails at, at five, you know, five thirty in the afternoon after you're done, um, asking for just one more minute uh, or five minutes of your time. Yes, that is that that's my role. Um, <laughs> Usually, I would say while it's fresh, right? You don't want to wait too long. I mean, you'd also don't, if you do it too soon, then it's, then you might catch them while they're in transit or, you know, as they're just trying to catch a break, kick off the shoes, put on the slippers when, you know, you, like the day after is usually a good time because then it gives, it gives you some time to solidify some of those learnings, but it's also not too much time where you're, you're already, you know, getting on the, on the, on the train and you're getting into the work mode. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty close after that touch point has concluded, you know, after the guest has left or after the, the event has concluded. Okay. And is there any tactic that you've seen to be successful as far as how to get people to actually participate in a response? Because I feel like that is something that I hear in the event universe. A lot of meeting professionals say, if I only could get people to respond to this survey, then I would have this information. That seems to be a challenge for some people. It is a challenge. I mean, it's, it's a constant challenge and what and what attracts people and gets people's attention seems to change and evolve like every day. Um, yeah, I've no seen kidding. I've seen the real the really formal, you know, we, we'd like to cordially invite you, you know, to participate in this in the strategic planning process like that. That gets yeah. some people and other times it's like, hey, we want we want your opinion, like take this survey. Sometimes that grabs that grabs other people. Right. Um, it, it might depend on on your audience, like depending if it is, a, you know, you know, with a more casual setting or, or not. Um, consistency is key, I would say, you know, don't be discouraged if you don't happen to get, you know, that 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 big robust response on the first on the first push on the first deployment, um, a series of reminders. Um, would be helpful because we don't always catch people at the most ideal time. Um, so if you do, if you are soliciting for some sort of uh, research feedback, yeah, usually we're not going to get it all on the first go. There might be, you know, sort of a, a, a initial torrent and then, and then it trickles off from there. But then uh, scheduling a reminder two or three days after that first one, um, you know, just as a part of a communication schedule will help keep the, keep the numbers going up. Um, it's also good to have a goal set ahead of time so if you are going out to you know let's say a thousand folks uh 10 is usually a pretty standard rule to aim for which will still give you the amount of responses that you can have some you can hold some stock in in in, in your sample and what your sample is telling you so if you if you're going out to a thousand you get 10 percent, you get 100 people you've got 100 people who told you how they felt about whatever you were asking so that's that's a great place to start now, talk about a feedback loop. I was thinking when you were saying, well, it depends on who your audience is and the type of survey that you send out might influence how they would respond, right? So like if you do the really formal version, some people might respond to that. If you do a more casual version, some people might respond to that. It's like you need the data in order to collect the data. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's a good way to illustrate really just how important it is to have that information because that is yet just, again, how are you going to have the conversation with your people? You know, how do they want to be communicated to and with? And then it just goes from there. I mean, it's just, it's a constant spiral. It's it's exponential too, just to use more terms from, from, from math. Uh, <laughs> it builds on, it builds on itself. Yeah. And, and it just, 
yeah, it's wild how fast that process actually happens and how, how involved it gets. But yeah, all, all it takes is just that initial, that initial desire, um, that initial question to, to, you know, solve this, solve a mystery about your, about your, your community. And then, and then you're off. Solve a mystery about your community. Ooh, I like that. You know, I was even thinking about it from a standpoint of doing this podcast. I mean, I guess I do look at my analytics and I try to track, you know, which episodes perform really well, which ones maybe seem like they're a little more of a mystery and people aren't really grabbed as much by the title or the guest or whatever it may be. Like, I mean, that does help inform the direction that I might go with the podcast as well. Those are spot on sensibilities. Like that is <laughs> like you are a data scientist. Ooh, did you did you know? <laughs> I never would have <laughs> called all, myself that's that. All it takes. <laughs> so that's okay. All it takes. <laughs> Listen, audience, if if I can be that, then anyone can be. So it's just as simple as tracking your analytics. One other thing that I was that I was thinking about, you know, we talked about return on investment, return on uh, events. Yeah. Um, but when you yeah, when you create that feedback loop, I mean, there's kind of a next stage, you know, to aspire to where, you know, once you have that foundation set, you can start to do some more fancy things in, in that in that respect, especially if you are, um, you know, collecting data like that at registration, um, you know, at, at the front desk, um, then then you're, you're, you're almost building that that data dashboard organically, like as you're as you're producing business, you are populating that data it exists for you to go back and 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 look at you know it may not be a full-blown like algorithm but you will have that spreadsheet you know the dates the individual you know what demographics you are capturing on them um you know how many times they've you know used a certain um you know service or you or you know attended a certain event and you can see that longitudinal history and then when you have that, that's when a lot of powerful analyses become more capable. So it's, it's the beginning, you know, to, of, a, of a long journey, but a satisfying one. I like the way that you're presenting this. It's just like start somewhere, right? Anything, anything is helpful. So whether or not it's that little smiley face or frowny face or then, you know, fast forward five, 10 years and now you've got this robust, rich you know, amount of data to mine from, um, and then it really kind of helps inform what direction that you're going to take your organization or company or event or whatever it may be. That's great. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, it means a lot to me. So yeah, if it, if it can make sense in other in other industries, um, yeah, that that just makes me all the all the more happier. Good. Well, all right, a couple like quick final questions. I'm just curious. What like you mentioned about data collection and then using it as being a rewarding process. Is there anything you can think of that has been particularly rewarding for you? Like any one like organization or event or like a case study that you can describe that was just like super rewarding for you? I can, if you, if you, if you want to allow me to, to nerd out a little bit, nerd out. it might be dangerous. <laughs> uh, least the nerd. This was, this was, this was a while ago, but Okay, sociology uh, confronts a lot of like uh, social, like societal, you know, issues. Um, I think one with with like Earth Day approaching is is you know weather, climate change. Um, so we're working with a with a couple of 
um, organizations that had to do with renewable energy. Um, and the research between each individual organization showed you know, a lot of synergies in between their, their missions, their values, which ultimately resulted in, in a merger to create this you know, high-powered uh, clean power association, as they as they call it, you know, with with you know uh, united leadership, um, ready to to confront you know this this issue of, of climate change and all of that. I mean, it it it, it happened from looking at you know their, their membership, looking at the shared um, you know challenges uh, and opportunities that that each of their members from these distinct organizations um, had to share. Um, and then it just resulted in this in this beautiful marriage of of, of, of people wanting to to save the world. So yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I I I struggle to find like something that was more um, like impactful to to greater society. I mean that's that's really where I derived a lot of um, satisfaction from. Like I said, it's there, there's a mystery. There's you know more work to be done. And then when you make that that breakthrough, yeah, that's what's really you know, satisfying. And then when it creates a long lasting, like impact in the world, um, you know, moving stakeholders, then um, yeah, it's something it feels like it feels like it was more than me just planking around on the computer for, for a couple of hours. Yes, there's um, purpose it, to it. Yes, there, there, it becomes it becomes real. So the data has a way of yeah, becoming real and then becoming data again and becoming real. Um, but that was a really salient um, example of that. I was really yeah proud to be a part of that. That is really cool. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, it's one reason that I think uh, events can be so powerful because when you get the right people together and you can give people the information that they need that somehow changes a behavior in a positive way, right? And so whatever it is, you know, whether it's not, whether it's somebody who just happens to do their job better working at a hotel front desk, or if it's somebody who is merging companies to, you know, form a major client change organization that's going to help impact the world, like either way, like those are positive changes and that's what's so exciting about this world so thank you thank you no that's wonderful the micro and macro okay so another thing that i want to give you the opportunity to do is just explain where we can find you and where we can find the company and like the customers that you would like to serve let us know oh great well i am currently on uh, my website is uh, sginsights.net. Um, so you'll see uh, a number of the research uh, services available um, that I help uh, organizations with uh, as, as needed. So whether that be survey or uh, interviews, focus groups, just as we you know talked about ways to collect insights about a specific group of people. Um, you might also find some more reports or blogs on anything data related. I, I pride myself on finding topics in the most center left field of places and then somehow connecting it back to data. So <laughs> you'll find a couple stories on that. Um, and of course you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Um, Stephen Gabriel, Gabriel uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, so feel free to connect with me on, on there. All right. Thank you. And I will provide links to all of these things in the show notes as well. So people can just click and find you. And so one final 
question that I ask all my guests is I would like to offer you the chance to issue a compliment or a complaint about anything, anything that you would like. It doesn't have to be about data. It could just be about like, you know, what you had for breakfast (laughs) 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 or whatever, a compliment or a complaint. And when I say complaints, I don't mean like in a negative way, maybe just like an opportunity that you see. Oh, wow. I was not expecting this. One. I know. <laughs> like this is this is this is a heavy one. Um, I am okay. I sometimes, especially recently, avoid like watching the news because sometimes they're they're negative. Like they we you know they portray a lot of those stories and a lot of things that we know are going on and and it's hard sometimes not to you know bury head in the sand, but I compliment like how in, in, in light of some of those things that we all know are happening, how people are still able to like find like so much love and joy in their hearts and share that with, with each other. Um, especially, yeah, just the giving and, 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 and openness. I just feel like there's a lot of growing awareness um, and, and just cognizance of our, of our shared situations. Like everyone's going through something and just, it feels like I'm very, I'm very, I'm complimenting those who are like rushing to the support of others and spreading that and propagating that, that love and positivity just throughout everything. Like I hats off to those, those people that just do that effortlessly and continue to do that. Like it's, it's just such a contribution to society. No kidding. You are 100% right. It, it is an admirable thing that people are still able to find joy and positivity despite the things that we see going on in the world every day and right the negativity that we're fed 24 hours a day I was listening to a podcast Brene Brown I don't know if you are familiar with who she is she's a emotional researcher really fascinating one of her guests she was asking that very question how do I stay positive or I feel guilty feeling joy and feeling positive when there's so many bad things going on. Like she was at her son's baseball game and like they won. And she's like, I want to be happy because they won. But there's like all these horrible things happening. I feel like this is this doesn't make sense to be happy right now. And then her, her guest said, you have to cultivate that joy because that's what shows you and it's what shows others why it's worth trying to push through the bad times to reach that joyful place again. You know, like it's like if you don't feel that joy, then you don't have that joy to strive for. It's amazing. That's the point. Yeah. So So you are speaking to that. Exactly. It's a great reminder. Yeah. I love that. I love that anecdote, that story. I am so pleased that you came on the show with me today. You are a fascinating individual and you do fascinating work. And I just love how you relate it to the greater good, frankly. I mean, it's it just really speaks uh, my language. Shucks, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I think we speak the same language. Yes, yeah, I think was- we do. It was totally a pleasure to be a part of this. Excellent. Well, thank you. Absolutely. I can't wait to put it out in the world and have people hear more about you and and what your company does. That's cool, too. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Of course. Thank you. 